Hi everyone, you are now tuning in to another episode of Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. Our special guest today is screenwriter and producer Doug Schaefer, whose recent project 5,000 Blankets was released by Sony. We hope you enjoy part one of this two-part discussion. Thank you for joining us. Hi everyone, um, thank you for joining us. I'm Vonti McCray and we are doing our podcast interview um, today and it is Conversations with Producers. Our first guest up today is uh, Mr. Doug Schaefer, and we will go right into the questioning and everything. It's so happy that you were able to join us today, Doug. Thank you. Really, really uh, looking forward to this. Yes, I'm very excited. So um, can you start with letting us know what is your name, position, and how long you have been in the media industry? Uh, my name is Doug Schaefer. I'm a producer. Um, I've been working regularly since... 2010 wow. uh, producing films so for like now I guess it's like 13 years yeah wow that's exciting uh-huh yeah so can you elaborate on the life of a producer like give us a breakdown of what your daily life could be um as you're doing you know trying to get these tv and film projects out there well now uh you know I've been doing this for a while so so my job of what I do now is kind of different from what I did 10 years ago, because now I'm out on my own. So mm -hmm. um, my job is is right now trying to uh, stay in communication with, you know, different streamers and studios that I have uh, um, relationships with, uh, trying to come up with projects that suit their audience. So I will look for stories. I will look for completed scripts, books, things of that nature that I think could fit uh, their specific audience. There's also instances with some of these streamers where they might have a script and everything already ready, and then they would want me to produce it. But mostly I've been more on the creative side, which means starting the project, getting the project mm -hmm. agreed upon, and then making uh, making the film. So uh you gotta have multiple balls in the air so i will be, mm -hmm. be have multiple projects and just knowing that i don't know which one's gonna get going first uh that's kind of how you do it you try to get you, you try to maintain something um but most of the time it's just is just working with uh writers and 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 pitching some of the streamers on different ideas and uh scripts and things like that and can you tell us a little bit like um some of those uh, companies that you work with, maybe some of the studios and everything that you've tried to, you know, pitch your content to? Well, I just did a movie for Sony, uh, Sony Affirm. Uh, Affirm Films is the faith and family arm of Sony. I did a movie with them uh, a year ago, and I'm looking to do something uh, with them, uh, hopefully get something ramped up so we could start in pre-production and then get something rolling next year. But, but as producers and people know things there's there's waves the, you know there's mm -hmm. times you're at the top and then you you, you know you got to be able to kind of ride the waves and decision makers change in a lot of these instances um and also what the studios are looking for changes mm -hmm. um and besides uh sony i've done a lot of tv work with like lifetime and mm -hmm. uh pitching um Lifetime themselves, but also uh, companies that uh, have like a deal with them, which I could 
make movies for them and then they sell to Lifetime. It just kind of depends. And then you have other projects you want to try to get independently financed if you can. Um, you know, you're always trying to look for money. So there's there's times where uh, I will look independently to try to get movies made, and then you know you look to sell it afterwards. Oh, that's exciting though. So you do a variety of all of that and everything. And I noticed that you mentioned um, how the landscape is forever changing in media yes. which we know there's a lot of acquisitions and you know people transition out of the jobs and everything could you give maybe an example of you know being almost there with maybe landing a deal and then that person no longer works there because we have to yeah get... that happens all the time i mean and look, yeah. that's a lot of other businesses too because i mean like if you're in sales or something and you're calling on a certain company and then all of a sudden that person leaves and then you got to kind of restart that relationship with somebody else mm -hmm. um but that happens all the time i mean i've had projects that are ready to go and then all of a sudden they're like uh you know we spent our budget for the year or we're oh, wow. kind of going in a different direction we're looking for these that's why you you know they say like with movies sometimes it takes like five to ten years which is a lot to get going i mean you look at some of the best tv series like i think breaking bad was was kind of floating around for like seven eight years uh before the that same for squid games right with yeah. netflix and everything that one is yeah and so so that's kind of like that's as being a producer you got to be prepared for that because you have to figure out you got to try to get these movies made but then you got to figure out how you're going to maintain yourself in the meantime and mm -hmm. unless you're independently wealthy which a lot of people are when they come into hollywood i mean you see them they don't have to work at all but if you have to work then you have to figure out a way to supplement that, whether you, you're doing a different role, um, mm -hmm. you know, you could get a job outside the business. It just kind of, it kind of depends. Um, but that's kind of the balance and uh, what you have to work with when you're trying to move forward in these projects. You just got to try to be able to stick it out as long as you can, mm -hmm. because it's, because it, I think one thing a lot of people who get in the entertainment business from the outside, whether it's actors or whatever, they mm -hmm. think it's like American Idol. They feel like <laughs> they audition, they're going to be, they're going to be rich and that's it. And that's not, you know, 90, 95% of the time, that's not what happens. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it takes time to, first of all, know, start to understand the business um, and start to build relationships, you know, because you, because, you know, when you're dealing with people that are going to invest in you mm -hmm. uh that takes that takes time and you know mm -hmm. if you look at it from their standpoint if they don't know you at all and you haven't done anything they're going to be like well i'm gonna you know i'm going to give you this amount of money why should i you know i got to go with a more of a trusted source and stuff like that so that's where you just got to be aware of and i think a lot of that is just trying to maintain yourself and ride mm -hmm. the wave and sometimes I do feel that way because, you know, me and you, we we have worked together before over at Sony. Um, but like you said, a lot of the times with Hollywood, these kids come out of film school thinking like, hey, somebody's going to hand you a $5 million budget. You see it all the time of like, hey, this is a $100 million film and, you know, it's millions of dollars floating around. But a lot of times that is the challenge. Nobody's really going to hand you that amount of money without having some validation behind it, right? 
So that yeah. mind is de definitely there. And unless you have those connections and all of that stuff already set in the place, like you said, so. Well, you know, there's different ways to do it. It's obviously building connections, but there's been times where a person has made a short uh, that is kind of a, a proof of concept for a feature. Mm -hmm. um, and there, like, I think the first saw, I think that was based on a short and um, in the mid, but the first saw was not a lot of money. That didn't, that wasn't like a huge budget movie, but it made a lot of money and then it went from there. So, you know, once you, there's different ways to kind of sell yourself, so to speak, or to mm -hmm. sell a project. Um, and, you know, if you've, if you've done a really good short film or even a feature of a low budget feature, that's good, then, then, you know, people are always looking for the kind of the up and coming, you know, filmmakers that happens a lot. But if you look at like a lot of like Christopher Nolan and a lot yeah. of these directors that came, I mean, he, he did a movie called the following a really low budget. Yeah. Um, and then I think he did, he might've done something before Memento. I don't know, but Memento was relatively low budget too, uh, mm -hmm. but it was a great script. Yeah, now he's oh. doing, what is that, Oppenheimer or whatever? Yeah, I mean, that's the, guy's, the guy's like the most sought after director in Hollywood. Yeah, and but they always make it like a, a major pro production, similar to like, remember back in the day with Michael Jackson videos, it was like premiering yeah. on CBS, you know, his countdowns and every the entire yeah. buildup and his marketing team behind them is really amazing and everything. Yeah. And now a word from one of our sponsors. After starting my podcast, I needed to hire the pros to market the content. Are you looking for digital success? Look no further. World Boss HQ is your strategic partner. Their experts turn your vision into a digital masterpiece. From stunning websites to powerful marketing, they've got you covered. Startups or established businesses, they are your one-stop solution. Visit worldbosshq.com. That is W-O-R-L-D-B-O-S-S-H-Q.com and unleash your potential today. World Boss HQ Digital Marketing, your online empire awaits. We are excited to bring you this world exclusive teaser from Bad Rabbit Pictures and Movie Pods. They are presenting Age of Prophecy, a sci-fi fantasy podcast done in the style of the radio dramas of yesteryear. Coming soon to all streaming platforms. Visit www.moviepods.com or www.thenukechronicles.com for all the release dates. You won't want to miss this one. Your miss were born from our history. Let's check it out. Life, a vile, messy sequence of events before we die. All designed for something beyond us. It has to be, or else what's the point? You don't know me, but I know you. I am responsible for your triumphs and miseries. Zira and Lil Zor, and to truly understand your own story, you must know mine. Your myths were born from my history.
Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. But going back to the um, sales portion, you know, as a producer, how do you want people to actually approach you maybe with their content? Because that's something that's very important, right? Um, There's ways like people probably send you pitch decks and all kinds of craziness. But if someone watching this was like, hey, I want to submit my stuff to Doug Schaefer because you know, I want to have a faith-based project or, you know, something within that genre, what would you say to them? What's well, I mean, style different of, producers, of di- well, different yeah. producers have different There's rules, style. but a lot of them will be like, you cannot submit an unsolicited screenplay, which means like if they're not asking for it or if it's not mm-hmm. submitted by an agency or a management, they're not interested. And a lot of times, you know, you, as producer, you got to be careful too, because, if mm-hmm. somebody's submitting a project to you, you know, typically you have them signed an NDA or whatever. So you don't want it, you know, if they submit something and then you make a movie that's similar to what they submitted, you know, you gotta, you gotta be careful. Um, there is a producer. So you gotta be careful legally that, that mm-hmm. yeah, you're just okay. not taking it. I get a lot of requests from people. Mm-hmm. Normally, to be honest with you, I ignore them because, because they are, like something cut and pasted. It's like, they're not even, they don't know anything about me. They're just trying to get to a producer. I'm like, well, I'm not wasting my time on this. Um, <laughs> if somebody sends me though, like an email or it says, look, I have something I might be interested. If it looks interesting, I'll usually say, well, send me a log line and a summary. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I'll, then if I want to read it, I'll let you know. And then, you know, based on that summary, if it's something I'm looking for, um, I will, uh, I might ask to read the script because look, we're always looking for good scripts. You've got a good script, but you, you just got to make sure though, too, the script is, you know, get some feedback on the, on the, on the script, get it polished, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Because I look for a couple of things. I look for a, the story. And if, mm-hmm. if I, if I like it, but also if the writer's good, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes if the writer's really good, I might, well, well th- this story is not for me, but I'll, I'll use this person mm-hmm. for something else. And I've worked with, you know, WGA writers, non-WGA writers, all sorts. Um, it just kind of depends. But, you know, if if you're an aspiring writer, just be open to that conversation, be open to making changes, be open to feedback. Which is really excellent to say, because a lot of times people just feel like approaching some entertainers is all about, you know, we're only going for union writers, right? But you are open to non-union writers if it's quality stuff. So I think that's something major because, you know, I myself, I'm a screenwriter and it's all about really packaging and being ready. You never want to tell someone, hey, you know, I have this great script idea and they're like, okay, let me read the script and you don't have it, right? And I'm sure you, (laughs) it's like, okay. Well, I think too, if I, if I may, um, no, absolutely. up and coming writers, and this is specifically for them, you, you have to, okay. Cause a lot of writers from the outside, they kind of come in and then again, they think if they're going to make a movie, they're going to get rich. And, uh, for the first <laughs> movie, unless it's a yes. big budget movie, I mean, if it's a, the movie's a hundred million bucks and yeah, I mean, you're going to get paid, yes. but if it's like a $5 million movie, I mean, you're going to get, you would get paid, but you're not going to get, you know, a ton of, so just just focus on getting your movie made mm-hmm. uh, because once that happens, uh, especially if the movie turns out well, um, 
there's, you know, you have instant credibility mm-hmm. and, and other producers can look for that. You can get representation, uh, things like that. I'm assuming if a writer's coming to me, like what we're talking about, they don't have representation because I get a lot of that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, don't just, you know, but also, you know, don't be taken advantage of because there's 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 producers out there that mm-hmm. will that will like not pay for an option and will want the option for like seven years or something. You got to be, I mean, you got to be mindful of that because there's a lot of, you know, less than honest producers out there that you know want material and would give you a bad deal. So you want to find a producer who's good and honest and and uh, has a what lot of. Be- not to interrupt you, but what should be um, some examples of things that people can do? You know, because we mentioned earlier, you mentioned the NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement, which is something that I think a producer would probably respect or something if you were the one to approach it, yeah. like, hey, are you going to sign an NDA? You know, mm-hmm. um, another one, I would. what would you suggest like people do? You know, if you're doing a contract and stuff, maybe have an attorney or a legal yeah, agent no, no, or something, you, read no, over no, it, right? No, you, don't you, have you absolutely want to have, I mean, you want to have mm-hmm. somebody look that over. Uh, you mm-hmm. don't want to sign that blindly. Um, you know, and you could pay, you know, it's not that much if you just got a lawyer to look it over and say, hey, can you look this over and and suggest changes and stuff like that, an entertainment attorney, even, or even well, yeah, probably an entertainment attorney you want to go with. Um, you know, so, but you'd want to make sure, I mean, especially if you have an option, unless they're purchasing the rights outright, you, you know, you don't want to keep that option, especially if you feel like your script is really good. You want to keep that, that, to- that term limited, or you put in like a shotgun clause, which is like after six months, if there's nothing really going on, I have the option to get out or something like that. Exactly. Um, and this is you know, stuff so you want to protect audience. yourself because if you if you yeah. spend all this time writing the script, you don't want, you know, you don't want one person to. I mean, usually, honestly, uh, unless you're going, options are good, but there's always just shopping agreements, which which, mm-hmm. is, which is you can do that with multiple producers, which is like, uh, you can shop it out, and if you sell it, it's, you know, we're going to work together, but I'm going to go with other producers as well. Um, and I, as a producer, I kind of like doing that too, just because when you're doing a straight option on material, mm-hmm. uh, I want to do what I can to make get that movie made. But if I have a lot of stuff going on, I don't I don't want to hold the writer up. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. look, you know, I, if you, there's something else, I want I want you to to be able to get that done because you know if mm-hmm. if it's only you and it's exclusive, then um, you know, you want to, you want to get that made. I just don't like holding writers up. If, if, mm-hmm. if I have something else going on or multiple stuff, I don't want that to somehow stop them from, uh, uh get, you know, just like yesterday, I talked to a writer. I like the concept of yeah. her script. I said, I'm not ready to option this right now. I said, I, I'll give you my thoughts and notes, but I said, don't make any changes. Like I'm not, you know, I don't make it, this, these are what I would change. And if I were to option the material, I would ask that you change it, but don't make any changes because I'm, you know, I'm giving it up. up to you. Just, I don't, but I don't want you to feel like make these changes for free and then I'll option it. You know? mm-hmm. 
So it's not giving anybody like false hope, like, hey, if you make this. Yeah, I just don't like, I just don't like doing that. Yeah, I don't like doing that. I don't like, you know, I, uh, um, you know, because I want to be sure I want to, I want to, you know, make the movie and go out with it. Exactly. Now, an exciting message from our sponsors. When I decided to launch this podcast, I had the tools to find talent and market the show, but needed a skilled editor to bring it all to life. That's when I turned to Jacob Daly at RedHawk.uk. His collaborative approach and swift revisions transformed my vision into reality. RedHawk.uk, your one-stop solution for creative content services. Reach out to them. Now a word from another of our supporting sponsors, that is Realm IQ, a new AI consultancy started by film marketing veteran, Kurt Doty, who has built an international team of AI mentors to help AI change management for your business. Go to www.curtdoty.co slash Realm IQ, smart people for smart adoption, creating smart worlds. Realm IQ, book your AI workshop today, adopt or perish. Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. Now, one thing I wanted to um, ask you about as well, because you mentioned this earlier, is that you have a lot of balls up in the air sometimes for Doug Schaefer. How much is like too much work for you and how do you decompress you know that's a very important thing um and i wanted to get into that because a lot of the times we are busy working working you know sometimes people are grinding six seven days a week so for you do you have a cap on that or do you just feel like um you're able to schedule yourself well or you know what is your technique as far as being a producer and everything well now i you know i'll typically um I, you know, your time as a producer, your time is very valuable. So it's, and at some point you also do, like you said, you need to sometimes create space for yourself just for your own well-being. So you can't be like on 24 hour call. So I try to make it like at a certain point in the evening, I'm not going to have discussions past like six or seven. Like I won't Mm -hmm. have any discussions. That's it. Like if somebody calls me at eight, I'm not going to pick up the phone. Um, and limitations to yeah and then i'll, I'll be great. very honest with you i'll be like look i like this project i just i'm not going to be able to give it my go because i have these other things kind of going on that i'm focused on mm-hmm. you know so um and let me ask you how do you mentally and physically you know take care of yourself in such a demanding industry as well is there any things like any outlets and everything i know that just go for walks <laughs> I know they are really great. Just go they? for walks. I don't, you know, I, I try to go for, if I can, I try to go for like an hour or two a day and just mm-hmm. walk it. Like I, it's, it's actually better for me. Cause then you can, you know, you're getting exercise, but you, you know, you listen to podcasts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not as strenuous. I'm, I'm getting older now, so I can't do like <laughs> the and stuff like that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you're too funny. Plus you can make phone calls if you're walking, you know? Exactly. You can do work at the same time, but not be as stressed, right? That's exactly. that's why I always enjoy it. Mine is driving. I just go. Yeah, drive, drive. No, no, driving the same thing. Like I will make a lot of phone calls in the car and yeah. try to get stuff done there. And that, yeah, that's that's a good thing to do, too. So you can wrap up your day, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, let me ask you, I know that you mentioned you've been a producer for some time, but was this a um, changing of careers for you? 
like did you come from a different industry and then yes. got into this and what does that look like like what made you make that transition i was actually I, my undergrad degree is in marketing and um mm -hmm. i worked for a consumer you know i worked in the power tool business uh for like seven years or something mm -hmm. before i got into it and i enjoyed it uh i had fun but it was kind of like one thing that kind of i didn't like at least coming out of college it felt like as soon as you got like your first like legit job it felt like that was kind of the industry you had to stick in and and mm -hmm. i was just like i like power but i don't want to do i don't want to you know i'm not like a guy who who remodels his kitchen on the on his time <laughs> off. Like, that stuff doesn't I never was the type of guy who would who would like to, you know, I don't consider myself a handy person. I liked power tools, but I, you know, that type of stuff never on my free time I was into. I've yeah. always been into film and and I found in my free time uh when I was working there, I was, you know, working on stuff, editing, uh, mm -hmm. writing, doing all sorts of different things. But I, I reached a point, I'm like, you know, I don't really know how to get it. And this is, this is back in the early 2000s. So I was, mm -hmm. um, I was like, how am I going to, how, you know, I'm not just going to quit my job and, and move to LA just with nothing. So yeah. I applied to film schools and luckily I got into the film producing program at AFI. Uh, American film so that's what propelled it. And I was lucky because I actually wanted to go in as a director, but I had no experience. Um, mm -hmm. And my background fit more of a producer background because it's like, you know, a lot of project management and stuff like that. And so it, it kind of really fit well. And I, I'm actually glad I did that because at first I was like, well, I want to direct and I could always still direct if I want, but yes. I don't, but after being through it, I don't think I would be comfortable directing. Not that I don't think I could do it, but with everything that goes on on set and mm -hmm. issues and stuff like that, I think I would get too distracted <laughs> uh, with other stuff like if that weren't happening i think of it because you gotta when you're directing you gotta be able to really concentrate you can't be you know you you, you can't be you know pr you know you're going to get outside pressure but you try to you know you try to keep everything insulated so you can do the best possible work you can working with directors working with your dp stuff mm -hmm. like that so you can't have like oh my god like you know, um, uh, we're having tr problems with transportation. The actors aren't getting here on, in time or makeup. There's some delay. Yes. Like you don't want to hear, like, you don't, you don't really want to You have deal. to be in that bubble with like your camera yeah. people. You don't, you don't, you just don't want to be like, like, you know, and as a producer, I, you know, I will demand certain things from the director, but I, I typically always let them work because I feel mm -hmm. like, they're going to do the best job if they're relaxed and they feel like, you know, um, they're protected. no one's bothering them. <laughs> yeah, well, they're just protected, you know, because, yeah. you know, there's some producers that are like watch like a hawk over the directors. If you're like, well, you got to do this, do that. It's like, I will make suggestions or be like, Hey, did we get this? Like, did we, what did we get out of the scene? Did you get this? Like, and, mm -hmm. and, um, uh, you know, I'll ask if, you know, what do you, what this, you know, direct, I've worked with, you know, lots of female and, and male directors, but, you know, what, 
you know, how many, you know, how many shots are we getting off? Stuff like that. Um, yeah. But you just pretty you much are letting them be creative. Yeah. And then if I find out, like, my editor says, hey, we, you know, can you ask them for more close ups? I need more close ups. I'll go, hey, you know, shoot some more close ups. But that's good to hear, though, because I know for myself, I've been a project manager before and being on a film set, you know, even recently, I was like just a standard PA and stuff. I was like a spinning top, but I loved it. Yeah, it's like, you're no, it's, it's like it's like a locomotive. That's the thing about making movies. Yeah. You can't stop it. it. It goes. So you have no, to know. But I love it, though. Yeah, yeah no, it's fun. And the energy level is like poof, and you meet a lot of good friends. I mean, it's. It's a it's a fun time as a producer. It's fun, but I like pre and post production better because it's ah, really production production to me is more stressful because more things go wrong. You're like because in pre and especially post, you can control the cost a lot more, so you're not like mm -hmm. you know. But when things start happening on set, you know, then you got to be like, okay, if something happens and we don't have the budget for it, how are we going to make up for that? you know, type of thing. Yeah. So, and you got to make so sure you, you got, have enough money. Your bread and butter is post and, and pre-production pretty much. Well, that's what I, that's what I enjoy most. Cause, cause yeah. I like, just because I feel that, especially when editing, that's a lot of fun. Like that's a mm -hmm. lot of fun. And even, even doing the music and stuff is really fun. Ah, but that's excellent though. And that's something nice for the audience to hear as well. Because not yeah. everybody wants to be, you know, on set and everything like that. So to know like- Well, I'm on set. I mean, I'm on set. I don't- But you know set, what I mean. But, you but know I'm saying I mean. like, I-, I <laughs> But you yeah. don't have to be is what I'm saying. Like, I know some producers, I met a few and they're more like in the office, you know, with the um the the post-production stuff already getting yeah. it started and, and, and everything and going through scripts and all kinds of stuff. So and look as a producer too, if you have multiple projects going on, there's gonna be times you're not you're gonna you're gonna have to deal with another project uh mm -hmm. at some point. So it just kind of depends because I usually do one and I and I'm um there the whole time through pre-post and I kind of am which something I have to learn to do a better job of is to kind of lay off the gas a little bit and go to um, other projects. You've just tuned into an episode of Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. We'd like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their knowledge. This has been a production of Vonti Pictures, hosted by me, Vonti McCray, a screenwriter and producer. We'd also like to thank Bad Rabbit Pictures for the animated content and creator of upcoming podcast, Age of Prophecy along with our sponsor, RedHawk.UK, with all episodes being edited by Jacob Daly, director, producer, and a man of many talents. Come back next week as this saga continues for the Conversations with Filmmakers podcast.